We've been in a conversation simply entitled, This Means War, and today I'm going to kind of try to bring this to a conclusion from a little bit of a unique perspective. We've talked about the reality, number one, that we have a real enemy that's all about disrupting and destroying the plans of God and the people of God. Secondly, we've talked about the need in our lives to be strongly connected to Jesus. He is our source of life and power and authority. We've talked about how God wants to equip us to stand firm against the attacks of the enemy and how a big part of being connected to God and being equipped is to live our lives anchored in the truth of God. If you missed any of these parts of the conversation, you can go back wherever you get your podcast, search EPAG. Uh, you can also go to epag.church. Why is this conversation so important? Why is this conversation so timely for us? Maybe we've all used the phrase, the elephant in the room. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. The elephant in the room is a phrase that we use sometimes in language to describe a major problem or a controversial issue that is obviously present, but it's avoided as a subject of discussion because it is more comfortable for us to avoid talking about it. Um, let me just say it this way. It's an obvious problem, or obvious problems, plural, that no one wants to talk about for fear in our culture today of being canceled, of being dealt with in a way uh, that culture decides to deal with us. Our conversation about spiritual war matters a lot because we're dealing with some elephants in the room, some elephants in our world today. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but tensions in our nation and around the world are pretty high right now. Politics, I don't even have to say anything else. Just the word politics is probably enough. I told my wife on, I think it was Friday, uh, I had flipped, made the mistake of turning on the news. And, uh, and I told her, I said, there's a reason why I don't do this. Because there were things about it that just angered me. Uh, not to a point of any kind of expressions that were ungodly, but just this internal tension of recognizing uh, there's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of evil, there's a lot of hatred, and, and I want to go ahead and let's, let me just make everybody mad from the start today. They're all corrupt. If, if you think your side of whatever argument you're having is perfectly, perfectly right, you're wrong. You have a right to be wrong, but you're wrong. I, I have recently, in years gone by, just said, you know what, I think I'm, I'm going to identify as just an independent. I don't know that I fully support either side of anything anymore. Because it's so foreign, and it's so uh, against, in many ways, the Scripture. And uh, so that way I can make all the aisles mad today. Uh, politics, and, and it's going to get worse in the next year. Uh, we are standing on the cusp of another uh, tight, tense political season. And there's going to be some temptation for us in this season. Uh, we've seen this play out in the last few years with the issue of COVID and pandemic the conversation of vaccines, the conversation around lockdowns. Uh, I, I've even heard in recent days that there are people that are having discussions about whether or not there should be precautions taken again. Um, there's, there's the element of true racism 
I believe there is still an element of racism in our world today. And then there are a lot of things that are made out to be racism that may not be intended to be racial. There's a lot of lies and deceit, and because we're seeing things play out in such an obvious public way, we are to a point as a nation and as a people that if not careful, we don't want to trust or we don't feel like we can trust anybody. Do, do you feel that in you? Because I feel that in me. There's this, I don't know if it's that we as a people have been burned so many times, or if we just see the ability of human nature to be so evil. But something inside of us is tracking to say, I can't trust anybody. I've got to keep my inner circle really, really tight. Uh, sometimes that, that might be a hindrance in people joining life groups, that maybe you're concerned, what's the conversation going to take? Uh, wh- how's this going to look? What's it going to be like? There's a self-focused culture that we're living in. There's hatred and violence like I've never seen before. I've seen video clips by happenstance of people legitimately just beating people in the streets. And, and our culture stands back holding the phone, videoing it. But the hatred that is in the heart that leads people to act the way they're acting towards one another. Immorality. Do I, do I even need to talk about immorality and perversion and the things in our culture? And then you add on top of this, there's an economic hardship that's happening that even if you're in the room today or online and you feel like it's not affecting you, it's affecting somebody else near you today. It's affecting neighbors, it's affecting family members, it's affecting friends, and it brings out the bad in people and the desperation in people and even the greed in people. We've got a lot of world chaos, more than what we even know about, and we've got some really unique alliances happening in our world right now. Don't know if you've noticed that. but We've got some really unique conversations and leaders who are standing together in moments right now. And you add to it in this moment of conversation for us, over it all or under it all, the enemy is at work. There is an invisible war that plays out, but a lot of it right now is beginning to play out more and more in the natural ways. We're beginning to recognize and see a lot more of this going on. I I said last week, Scripture speaks clearly that there will come a time when the restraint of evil is removed. And I think as we continue to move towards that moment, there is an increase in aggression and hatred and sinfulness that is happening in our world right before our eyes. I look at things today and, and, and I can think back even 20 years in my own life and I can say, used to, we weren't proud to come out and talk about these kinds of things. We weren't proud to parade these things in the streets. We weren't, we weren't proud to have all of these problems and yet today we have so many things that are so obvious. Now, these are just some of the things that are happening and I find that, that they become elephants in the room because for a lot of people... These obvious issues only become a matter of conversation when they really hit home. We want to believe it's happening over there. It's on the other side of the country. It's on the other coast. It's over there. Or what's happening there won't affect me here. We can tend to want to act like things aren't the way they are. Now, Don't get this twisted today because we want to be people of faith in God, 
Not in circumstances, not in our own abilities. We want to be people of faith in God. And we want to be a positive people, speaking positively about God and His Word. And we want to see that when we face obstacles, these are just opportunities for God to work. If you need a miracle, you've got to first deal with a crisis, right? You, to, to be qualified for this supernatural work of God, you've got to be in a moment that needs that. So if we've ever qualified for some miraculous work, I think we're there now in our world, right? So, so we want to see it as opportunity, but there are a lot of sinful things happening in our world today, and we want to be aware that the enemy is at work and can use these things to try and affect our lives. If you don't feel this way now, you will be faced with opportunity for sin, immorality, hatred and divide, greed and fear. There's going to be a temptation coming if you're not already there when you're going to be tempted to be moved off your spot. What do I mean by that? There's a lot of conversation, and it's especially in the political realm, but I would say in general, there's a lot of conversation in our world today, especially in our nation, about which way you lean. You've heard that type of conversation? And I'm sure we could all identify certain key issues that we would say we lean one direction or the other or have certain thoughts regarding. But ultimately, I think we need to come back to a place where we stand on our spot and we're not leaning one direction or the next. We're fixed on the rock of Jesus. What does it mean to be standing on our spot? It means to follow Jesus and to love God with all of our hearts. Let's talk about loyalty today. I'm not loyal to a political party. I'm not loyal to a political candidate. I'm loyal to King Jesus, whose kingdom will never end and whom man cannot stop. And when everything else passes away, his truth will still be there and alive and well. I want to make sure we're careful today not to get caught up in what's happening in culture to the point that we start leaning off our spot, but rather our loyalty be to King Jesus. King Jesus. Because let me tell you, that lean that you may have in your life, they're going to fail you. In some way, shape, form, or fashion, they're going to they're go against what you think is right. But we instead are going to follow Jesus. This is our spot. We're going to follow Jesus and love God with all of our hearts. And we're going to love people. We're going to be kind and tenderhearted. We're going to not easily be offended by every little thing. We're going to be a forgiving people, not selfish, but considerate of others' needs. I think there's a tension here for a lot of people because the question becomes for a lot of people, how do I love people and yet do so, have compassion without compromise? And God helps us to do that. How can we love the soul that God cares about and send His Son Jesus to die on the cross for without reacting to them in the issues of our world today? We will chase Jesus and not the world. We will put our trust in Jesus and not put our faith in other people and things to that same degree. There's going to be a temptation that's going to come. When you're fixed on Jesus and you're fixed on loving people and you're fixed on his word, something's going to happen. And and I'm not here to say that it's going to be some major crisis for our nation, but I will tell you, even in this next year, I truly believe there are going to be potentials for you to be moved off your spot. You're going to have to be rooted and grounded. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 The Apostle Paul said it this way. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. I love this next phrase. Let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. 
Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In our study in Ephesians chapter 6, part of the language Paul uses there is to stand firm. Finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power and do all that you can to stand. And after you've done all that you can to stand, stand. Stand confident in the Lord. Stand confident in His power. We read a a couple of weeks ago from Psalm chapter 1. I encourage you to go back and read it again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. So blessed is the one who is fixed and is not leaning in any of these directions but is fixed and whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Fixed. I want to challenge you today. We cannot wait until tough times to decide our level of commitment. We cannot wait until adversity pushes against us to decide that we will trust in the Lord. We cannot wait until hate reaches against us to decide we will love people no matter what they do to us. We must live fully in the armor of God now. We must be deeply connected to Jesus now, in deep relationship with Him, not having a religion and denying the power of God, a form of godliness, but following God wholeheartedly. I would suggest today in these words, the the fiery furnace is coming. I don't know that it will be immediate consequences of death, but you will face tests of immorality and compromise and love or hate and, and love for the world or Jesus. And you will likely face all of them at some point. And we must fight successfully and victoriously. We must remain on our spot. We are unmoved, built on the rock of Jesus, unmoved by the things happening to us or around us. We must be prepared. Scripture says it like this. That we are to make every effort. There are multiple scriptures in the New Testament that capture this phrase. Make every effort. Now I'm not suggesting that we should do this simply in our own power. But there is something in our human life about targeting our will towards the one who is right and towards his truth and the things that are right for our lives and allowing our will to be bent towards the will of God. To allow the transformation power of God to work in us to a point that we are fixed in Him, fixed in His truth, and that we are bent towards whatever God desires in our lives. We're told in Scripture to fight for unity within the body of Christ. I believe this is a challenging word and a moment that the church needs to hear this today, especially in America. Now is a time when the enemy is not trying to simply persecute you from the outside in. The enemy wants to divide the church from the inside out. Because Jesus has already said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So there's no question in my mind that there will always be a remnant of people who say yes to Jesus, yes to his word, and yes to following him at all costs. But there will be people who come against you from the outside And there will be an attempt of the enemy to create division on the inside. Pastor Chris, what do you mean? Well, look at the last three years. I've never in my life seen churches more divided over issues of COVID and vaccines and masks and politics. We didn't handle that well. 
No matter what your opinion, no matter where you lean, no matter your political persuasion, I'm not asking you to divulge all of that information today. I'm simply telling you that no matter what your thought may be, and I understand conspiracy theorists have been made to look like truth tellers more and more. I get it. We understand that there's more and more information that comes out and who knows what's really going on. There's probably a lot more behind the scenes than we even see. But if we allow these things to grow to be division and walls, if we allow these things to disrupt, we get moved off of our spot and instead of showing the world what it looks like to be a disciple following Jesus, we're acting just like the world and the world says, why would I want any of that? Give Jesus praise. You're not looking for me. Give Jesus praise. We didn't handle it well. And it wasn't just in person. It was on social media. We still don't handle social media well. We've got to fight for unity in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 2 and 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Notice this phrase, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, so what's happened in the body of Christ is the Holy Spirit has brought us all into the body of Christ the same way. We're immediately united in the sense that we're all part of the same family and we were all brought in through the same Jesus. But then what, what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus is, you now in your relationships and in your interactions and in how you deal with things that are going on between people, now you need to contend, you need to make every effort that that unity continues in love and in grace and being tenderhearted and being patient with one another. If you haven't ever read The Bait of Satan or the book Unoffendable, so, Bait of Satan's by John Bevere, Unoffendable's by Bryant Hansen. You need to read both of them. Because I think, other than Scripture, these two books may help people to recognize, more than ever, the need for us to be fixed on our spot and not offended by every little thing. People are going to have bad days. People aren't always going to agree with one another. People are going to face crisis moments. People are going to be emotional beings. We're all created that way. We all deal with junk and stuff and clutter. We all got to deal with all of that. But how we choose to respond is when we honor Jesus or not. And we haven't handled that well. There's some other things I want to say that I'm not going to this morning. We're told actually in Scripture to try the best that we can to live at peace with everyone. Romans chapter 12 verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Well, pastor, you don't know what they're doing. Well, pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. Pastor, you don't know what they've said about me. Boy, it's going to get quiet in here before it's over, I can tell. Pastor, you just don't understand how bad they've hurt me. As far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on you, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, the gospel itself is going to offend people. Following Jesus is going to create opposition at times in your life. It's just the nature of what Jesus told us to expect. 
But that does not mean that you have to stoop to the level of the world around us and hate other people because they don't quote-unquote agree with what you think is right. We're told it's not enough in our lives to just profess our faith, but our faith should lead to right actions. If we truly believe in Jesus, we're wanting to follow his word. First Peter chapter five, verse or excuse me, first Peter, second Peter chapter one. I'll get it right in a minute. Second Peter chapter one. I hadn't had enough coffee. Second Peter chapter one, beginning in verse five. For this very reason, here it is again. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, not decreasing measure, but increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. If you have been saved and delivered and set free... We are now saying, Jesus, I have faith in you, and now I want your work and your transformation in my life. I want to live in goodness. I want to have the knowledge of Christ. I want to live in perseverance. I want to have self-control. I want to be on my spot and not moved. What does it mean to make every effort? Well, it means that we're contending for unity in the body of Christ. It means that we're contending for love without compromise in our world. It means we're being alert without being afraid. It means that we're to be active without being aggressive. Make every effort to live this way may mean that you need to turn off or limit the news if need be. I've already confessed there's a reason I don't watch it much. Well, Pastor Chris, you're going to be naive about what's happening in the world. No, I'm not. All i got to do is listen to your conversation. I'll find out perfectly about what's happening in the world. All i got to do is open Facebook. Somebody will tell me how mad they are about what happened today in Washington. It doesn't take long. But there are times that if we're going to contend for unity and we're going to live at peace even within ourselves but also with others, there are going to be times that you may need to make some shifts. There are going to be some times that you may need to Limit even social media interactions. Get off social media altogether. And if you stay there, can I ask from this pastor's heart and to echo the words of Jesus when he said that the world would recognize us by our love for one another, if you're going to stay on it, can you please stop engaging in social media fights because you're never going to win it there. Your tone's going to be misunderstood, you're going to be labeled, and you're never going to convince the person that you think you're going to make the right argument to with bullet points and lists and resources that you think you're going to convince. It's not going to happen. If if you've got an open door to have a conversation, don't do it behind a screen. Be a little more courageous and trusting of the Holy Spirit and sit down with someone face to face. And even then, the goal is to love them like Jesus, not to just convince them of what you think is right. Newsflash, we aren't always right. Secondly, since that one was so popular, let's talk about prayer and the Holy Spirit. If we're going to be on our spot... Let's talk about prayer and the Holy Spirit. Prayer is simply defined for us today, communication 
We also receive revelation and clarity from God. We have intimacy and ongoing conversation with God. We're, de- we're, we're coming to Him in prayer because we're dependent on Him, and we're coming to Him in prayer because we're humble before Him. We recognize that we're limited, so we need wisdom and we need help every day of our lives. I know me enough to know I can't do it. Be honest. We talk about being fixed on our spot in Jesus and not moved. We know we need help. Jesus said in Matthew 6, when you pray, I know this may be oversimplification, but Jesus describes his followers as people who pray. Later in that same passage, he would say, and when you fast. So even prayer and fasting are characteristics of people who are following Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. Hebrews 4.16 tells us to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's this clear indication of Scripture that we are in this ongoing conversation with God. We often think of prayer as this window of time in this conversation with God that we have in a service or in our personal time. But in reality, God wants this ongoing conversation with us every day. And you may not be able to walk up to someone and have a conversation with them while you're praying, especially if you're praying in tongues. That's kind of awkward and weird. Stop being like that. But you can be praying to the Lord and having ongoing conversation with Him every day of your life. You're getting ready to walk into a meeting. Lord, I'm getting ready to walk into this meeting. Here's what I think is going to happen, but I know that you're able to lead this in the way that it needs to be. Would you give me compassion for the people in the room? Would you help us in making this deal? Would you help us in knowing how to navigate this tricky time? Whatever the case. I'm getting ready to walk into the house. Lord, I know my kids have been rambunctious today. And I know one of them's coloring on the walls right now. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would empower that magic eraser to get it off of that wall before they give us an issue with our landlord, Lord. Lord, I don't know what my wife's dealt with today, but I want to walk into this house and I want to be a peacemaker. We can do those things throughout the day. Lord, I'm getting ready to walk into the store. And i got a list of things I need to get done, and I may have some places to be, but there may be somebody in this moment that you want to talk to. So God, would you lead me right now? Prayer is that ongoing conversation. Ephesians 6.18, Paul goes one step further and he says, and pray in the Spirit. Talk about the armor of God. We don't want to leave this out. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what we see here is that prayer is not just that we prepare for whatever is ahead, but prayer itself is also part of the battle. It's part of the fight against the enemy. It's proclaiming the truth of God. It's believing in the promises of God. It's going to Him and declaring Him greater than us and Him greater than the enemy. And what Scripture teaches us here is that the Holy Spirit can actually play a role in our prayer. And when I think about it, what better way for us to pray than for Jesus to be seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, uh, Jesus praying for us, what a powerful picture, The Father is hearing our prayers, and the Holy Spirit is praying through us in perfect harmony with the will of God. All three persons of the Trinity are involved as we're praying. Well, I don't know how to pray, and I can't pray like that person. God's not looking for you to be an expert. God's looking for you to be humble. God's not looking for you to have it all together and all figured out and formulate some fancy prayer that you think somebody else said, and you're just trying to be spiritual like they are. Drop all of that. 
Come to God with your heart. Run to Him in humility and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work as we pray. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we often think of things like He helps us to remember the things Jesus has taught us. He leads us into all truth. And the the description, the name that Jesus gave Him before He ascended back to heaven was advocate, strengthener, comforter, or even helper. We think of the words of the Apostle Paul earlier in Ephesians chapter 3 when he prayed that the Ephesians would be rooted, deep roots, again, holding on when the winds blow, right? That tree planted by the water, I'm fixed on my spot. That we would be rooted and established, that we would be built on the strong foundation in the love of Christ. And he went on to say, and strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner being. So there's an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit to keep us and to help us. Galatians 5, you know about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. You want to talk about being fixed on your spot. It's when you can live with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control no matter what anybody else is doing to you. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not the things that we can manifest on our, just on our own efforts, but we point ourselves towards the Lord and the Spirit of God works in us. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that even though our physical bodies are decaying and we have no idea why we're sore in our backs for days on end, come on, even though we, we're wasting away, he says, decaying, Even in the face of afflictions of every kind, and boy did Paul have them, he said we don't lose heart because even though we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day by day. This ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. But then we see in Ephesians 6 that the Holy Spirit can also be involved in prayer. And we use this word intercession Sounds like a high spiritual word, high church word, but it's really not. It's, it's a prayer led of the Holy Spirit in the will of the Lord that helps to accomplish things that we don't even realize sometimes in the natural. In Ephesians 6, it says to pray in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 echoes these words when Paul wrote, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Boy, are we weak sometimes. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes through us, for us, through wordless groans. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, I will pray with my spirit and I will pray with my understanding. So what does this look like? What is the Holy Spirit's role in our prayer? Well, number one, He can help us to know who to pray for. So sometimes that may be someone we haven't seen in years, someone that comes across in dreams, someone that comes across our mind randomly during the day, someone that God wakes you up in the middle of the night to pray for on the other side of the world. All of those are possibilities. Some days, we, if you're like me, you have a list. You, you've got an ongoing prayer list, right? And, and you, you know, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my extended family. I'm praying for friends who are serving in ministry all over the world and their encouragement. I'm praying over our church and over our needs. We could go on and on and on and on and on down the list. But then there are times still that someone else will come to our mind. Random time of day where I'm like, man, I don't know why this person's... I got a text this week from a missionary. And he said, man, you've been on my heart the last few days. How can I be praying for you? How are you? God does those things. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What else is the work of the Holy Spirit? Well, he can help us to know how to pray for people. 
Sometimes it may be praying protection or safety or provision. It can be a lot of different ways, but he can help us know how to pray. And if you're like me and you've prayed for people sometimes that have been in situations that you could not figure out what is the will of God in this, then you can be led of the Holy Spirit and trust that as he leads you, you're going to pray in, in cooperation with the will of God. That's what Romans 8 goes on to say is that it's in perfect harmony with the will of God. And then there's prayers There's prayers perfectly in alignment with God's will when we pray for our friends, our family, our country, and our world. And then there's obviously the prayer of intercession in the Spirit that is a different language that we know, don't even know. We talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and part of that is in prayer as well. If we're going to be able to remain on, firm on our spot, if we're going to be able to remain in Jesus, we're, we're going to have to continue to be people of prayer and people of the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. Only seeking the source are we going to be able to stand firm. And then lastly, I'll end with this. And I want to talk to you just briefly about being connected in community and togetherness. You say, well, of course you do because you're trying to get us to sign up for life groups. <laughs> well, I am trying to get you to sign up for life groups. That's true. But there's a, there's a why behind the what. I've had people tell me through the years, and they use this uh, in multiple ways, but I've, I've heard people tell me through the years, well, I have Jesus, I have all that I need. And that's their excuse for not ever getting plugged into a local church or not ever attending church or not ever plugging into a group. I've got Jesus, me and Jesus, it's just all right with me and Jesus. It's interesting that in the creation narrative, that Adam had God, and yet God said of Adam in Genesis 2.18 that it was not good for man to be alone. So there is a form of expression of the love of God that comes through other people. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, the early church gave us the model of a community of people. And it was a large community of people. I mean, the first day they had 3,000. I, I don't know many people who've ever given an altar call and had 3,000 people saved. Honestly. It's a pretty large start, but they were pretty tight-knit. They dealt with a lot of things, but they were strongly connected. The Bible says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They got together in their homes. They got together at the temple. They did all of it together. They shared their possessions. They were even willing to sell things at times just to give the money so that other people could be blessed when they were blessed and if they were struggling. It's a picture of doing life together. It's there for a reason. They were brought together by the work of the Holy Spirit and that transformation of the Holy Spirit, but then they continued to live it. I think there's a reason that the writers, especially of the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit, encouraged believers of multiple local churches to be strongly connected to one another. The one another passages fill up so much of the New Testament. Carry one another's burdens. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. We could go on and on and on. These early churches faced some hard times. And I think the writers inspired by the Holy Spirit recognize that there's strength in the numbers being together and people of like faith doing life together because when it's hard and you feel like you're all alone, you're reminded that you're not. When you're in crisis, you have someone that can help come around and hold those arms up. Are we not in this place now? The writer of Hebrews said it like this. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Praise God for that. And let us, us, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, that doesn't mean you kick them with the rodeo cowboy spur, although at times it may feel that way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Now notice this. And all the more as you see the day, notice the capital D, as you see the day approaching. What did Jesus tell us about last days? What did Paul write to Timothy about last days? There were going to be some perilous times. There were going to be some hardships. There were going to be some tough moments. So the writer of Hebrews, some think the Apostle Paul, others have other arguments for other people, but someone led of the Spirit said, you need to encourage one another, and you need to motivate one another, and you need to be committed to doing life together, even more so as the world deteriorates before your very eyes. Even more so as people fall away from the faith. Even more so as people abandon God and abandon the Word of God. Even more so in these days when people won't put up with sound doctrine and they want to just hear what their itching ears want to be pre. Even more so in these perilous days when people are concerned about themselves and prideful in themselves and lovers of money. Even more so in these last days when it's harder to follow Jesus. You need each other. I don't care about marking you on a list to say you're part of a life group. I care about you being strong in the Lord. And part of that strength from the Lord comes from the Holy Spirit. And part of that strength from the Lord comes from journeying with other Jesus followers who share the faith that you have that will encourage you, that will motivate you, that will continue to spur you on of living the life God has called us to. Yeah, the food's good. You can get a chocolate chip cookie recipe, apparently. Food's great. Yeah, the fellowship is great. I'll I'll be a part of two life groups today, and I'm sure in both of them we'll talk football at some point. But there's something about the strength that comes when we're together. In fact, even in the Old Testament, There are numerous places, but especially in Ecclesiastes where it talks about that threefold cord, that tightness together is not easily broken. We're able to stand firm. We're going to face challenges and tests and trials and hardship and persecution. We need to be surrounded by people of like faith. We need the encouragement and motivation. Paul said it this way, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Make every effort. Walk in prayer in the Holy Spirit, strongly connected to the Lord, and be connected in community and togetherness. And let nothing move you. Let's be fixed on our spot because there will be plenty of opportunity to move. We want to be fixed on our spot in Jesus. Stand with me this morning if you will. I'm going to ask our prayer team members that are available today, would you come, prayer teams, and make your way to either side of the auditorium. 
In just a moment, our team's going to lead us in just a, a moment of worship to put a to put a bow on this time together. And I pray this is more than just singing the lyrics you might be familiar with. I pray this is the cry of your heart. That we would be fixed on our spots. That we would build our lives on Jesus. That we would ask the Holy Spirit to fill us more and more and more so that we can live like Christ and not like the world around us. I want to pray for you and then Pastor Nick and the team are coming to lead us. Father, thank you for the truth of your word and I pray that we take it to heart today. It can be easy for us, Lord, to hear a message and walk away from it, Lord, and uh, go on about our day. It can be easy for us sometimes, Lord, to say, we got this. Good reminder, but we got this. I pray, Lord, instead we would take it to heart with humility and say, Lord, we want to be fixed on you. Our eyes fixed on you, our feet planted. We want to build our lives on you, the rock of our salvation. Help us, Lord, to be a people growing to be full, more and more full of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be a people of prayer. To be a people connected together. To see each other as more than just the people we see on a Sunday or Wednesday. More than just the people who go to the same church building. But Lord, that we would see ourselves as the body of Christ. The church. Your people. And we would do life together. And Lord, that we would make our every effort to follow you. As we're helped by the Holy Spirit to do so.